Hello, you are listening to the Women in Work podcast, the show that seeks to inspire you to confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. I'm Courtney Moore, and today on the show, Missy Branch and I chat with her longtime friend, Crystal Wilson. Crystal lives in North Carolina, and she has had many work experiences in her life. In college, Crystal was a Division I softball player. She is currently a wife and a mother of two children here on earth. She has one darling in heaven and one in the womb that is on the way. She has worked in finances. She's been an event planner for a Southern Baptist seminary, and she currently serves as a project manager for a pro-life, whole-life Christian ministry. But our conversation today mainly centers around the time that she served as a police officer. I was so encouraged to hear Crystal's heart behind her motivation for wanting to serve in this role. She really broadened my perspective of this line of work and helped me to gain a new perspective on these public servants that we see every day in our cities and towns. Now, you may be coming to the show today with some predetermined opinions on whether or not you think it's, quote, right for women to serve in a role like this. So don't worry. Crystal shares how she responds to that critique as well. And again, we're so glad you're here and thanks for listening in. All right. So we are here on the Women at Work podcast and I'm here with Missy Branch and we are excited to welcome our friend and especially Missy's friend because they go way back, uh, Crystal Wilson. So Crystal, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. All right, Crystal, you've done a ton of work. I'm excited to hear about it all, learn about it all. First of all, just give our listeners a little brief. How do you two know each other? Yeah, Missy and I, Missy, you can you can chime in too. We met about ten or eleven years ago. Um, our husbands knew each other, and uh, my husband was coming up to seminary in Wake Forest, North Carolina, at Southeastern, and just wanted to stop by their house. <laughs> um, and Missy, my husband, you can take you it from there. my house. For the record. <laughs> I was so much because <laughs> because uh, I met Crystal and I knew the moment I met Crystal, she's not interested in meeting me right now. <laughs> so we had a <laughs> maybe she was just shy. Maybe. No, no, no. Crystal, I don't believe it. Oh, you should. You know it's the truth. Crystal did not want to come yeah, to my house. I'll be she honest. was like, I, I was these not people. Who are these people? Why am I coming well, here? Yeah. Were well, they Courtney. invited or was this just a drop by? I think we were invited. But you but... could have dropped by. It didn't even matter. Right. But she didn't want to drop by. It's the place. <laughs> Courtney, my family like lives about 30 minutes from no. where Deuce and Missy live. So we, we were in South Carolina at the time. So we rarely got to come up. So we come up and he says he wants to spend time with these people. (laughs) But at the time, we're complete strangers to me and I'm just not having it. But did your husband know who, you know, the ambassador was? Deuce Branch? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because he's Mm -hmm. famous. I don't know if our listeners know, but. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but yes, but no. That's not, I mean, yes, he did know that and, and was a fan of his music, but we're from the same city. And so Reese, mm-hmm. we had planted a church there. Reese was coming to our home to be a part of the Bible studies right. and the nice. different things like that. And so, so he did week, really know you guys. He was, yes. Yeah. And Deuce is actually one of the ones that like opened up the scriptures and walked Reese through the scriptures um, to share the gospel with him. So, yeah. 
Wow. Well, that's really cool. So yes. you did really know them. <laughs> yes. So it, after probably the second or third meeting, right. then I was like, oh, I, I like yeah. her. But meeting one, it was like, sh- she's making it clear to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if anybody else is reading the room. Right. She does not want to talk to me right now. And so... <laughs> That's just hard to believe. Knowing the little I've known Crystal, she's because a very warm, I nice can't person. Put on like if I'm not there, I can't muster it up. I just yeah, that's, a, that's yeah. a good quality to have. I listen, but what I have learned about my friend is now I know my friend. The moment she walk in, if things ain't right, I know. Right. There you go. <laughs> you know what? Look at the Lord. That's a testimony, though. But we overcame that. It's true. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, don't think you're living your life without me being your friend. Right. <laughs> awesome. So, anyway. All right. We better get started on our show, you guys. Yes. Okay. Um, so we're going to do our quick rapid fire. We're actually going to make them kind of rapid because I feel like we're going to get into the content of your mm-hmm. story more as we go. Um, so go ahead, Missy. Take it away. Well, we like to start off with this question, which I think is a fun one. So as a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Yeah, I knew probably from five that I wanted to be a police officer. My dad was a firefighter. My mom was a police officer. Her job seemed awesome. Every day was different. She got to help people. So that's what I wanted to do. All right. So what was your first job? My first job was working at a call center for my university. I went to the University of South Carolina and they had like a fundraiser call center for students. You could, yeah, they would just hire you out. You just make calls to donors and ask them for hundreds of dollars at a time. So I did that for a few weeks. It blows my mind to learn that your first job was in grad school. (laughs) It just really just blows my mind. Right, I sound like a bum. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but before then, my whole life was softball. So. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I do Imagine. think that is probably a first, though, for the show. <laughs> I, I have never. Like, my, my, I did everything. I had to be in everything. And mm. I had to also have multiple jobs. Like, figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> but, praise God, she was a real athlete. Like, an athlete athlete, so. Okay, last question. What kind of work do you want to be doing when you're 80 years old? Yes, Um, community work. I want to be in the community. I want to be known as the neighborhood grandmother that you go to for anything. Um, Yeah, just helping to impact positive change and spreading the gospel in the community. I love that. That's a really great answer. Yeah, and that's her too, so that's awesome. (laughs) All right, so you said you grew up, or did you say you grew up in South Carolina? Okay. I didn't. I went to school um, in South and Carolina. Play... Oh, okay. Where'd you grow up? In Bun, North Carolina. It's a Missy knows a small, small town <laughs> um, of about okay. three, four hundred people. One stoplight. Oh wow! Oh, goodness. <laughs> okay. And then you played softball. It sounds like in high school, mm-hmm. and then you played in college at the University of South Carolina. And that's a Division One school, so that's kind of a big deal, right? Yeah, I played at um, NC State. So I did my undergrad at NC State, and I played there. Yeah, and then went to grad school at, at USC. So. I see. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so what did you end up studying? Because you said you wanted to be a police officer since you were five. What did you end up studying? And did you still at that time think, I'm going to be a police officer? <laughs> 
Yeah, so in undergrad and grad school, I studied criminology, so criminal justice and criminology. Loved every second of it, um, all the courses. So, yeah. Wow. So you were pretty serious from a young age that you knew this was your path. You studied all the things. Yeah. Okay. I mean, well, um, hearing the stories of my mom, it just was more convincing every time of like, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. Crystal, when you went from grad school to the police academy, uh-huh. was the police academy what you expected? I mean, you took all of these courses <clears throat> in school, in college, and mm-hmm. then you go to the police academy. Was it what you expected? And then how long did it take? So the police academy was about 16 weeks in South Carolina. And it was much harder than I thought. Like they, you leave home. So Reese and I, my husband, uh, Reese, we got married. And then the next month I went off to academy and I was gone for like three and a half months. I could come home on Saturdays and then leave on Sundays. But it was just, I did not expect it to be that like, life altering um where my whole life i had to put wow. on pause to go through <laughs> police police academy so yeah it was it was hard um we had like 4 a.m wake-ups to start our cardio training and i mean you didn't finish and so you had to go through class because it was more than just like there was cardio components there was um defensive tactics there was like time in the classroom. So it was an all day thing from like four to probably six every day. And I for guess three and just a half months. Dorm rooms. Yeah. You mm-hmm. just stayed in a dorm room. And yeah. And in South Carolina. As a well, so there were only about seven to 10 of us females in a class of probably 100, 150. So we kind of had like our own suite. So they put, I think, it was like two or three of us to a room. Um, okay. But bathrooms are great because there was tons of them because there wasn't very many of us there. So, Were there other Christians there? Or did you get a feel for like, okay, who are these people? And like, are so you didn't feel like you're shaking your head no. Um, no. Tell me about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> excuse me there. Law enforcement is definitely a field where we desperately need more Christians. Like I remember mm. in, it's so sad, but like at Academy, because you're there for three and a half months and these people, they aren't Christian. So you would have the yeah. females and the males that find a place on the campus to oh, wow. <laughs> enjoy themselves. Enjoy themselves. <laughs> yeah. But, and they're married. They have families. Like it just, I began to see like this is a massive mission field, like, and there aren't Whoa. enough laborers. <laughs> wow! Yeah. Wow! Yeah, it was crazy. Gosh. Wow! Yeah, wow. I'm still and even yeah. after academy, and it, was, <laughs> <laughs> it just they yeah they weren't it, you're just living a life with non-believers trying to enforce the laws that are given to them to the best of their ability. Um, but I was going to say, I remember even after Academy, my first like three to four weeks on the job is just, uh, on the job training from different leaders of different departments. And even then, because there aren't very many females, they're kind of scoping you out. What type of woman are you and how much do you hold Mm. your, your marriage, um, to be just between you and your husband. So it was 
it just is different. It's a, it's a different animal. I had no idea that was taking place. Okay. So you studied criminology. You went mm-hmm. to police academy. Mm-hmm. When you started your job as a police officer, like, were you just like out on the beat, as they say? I mean, I watched Blue <laughs> Bloods with Tom Selleck. <laughs> Out on the I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, I was a patrol like, officer. Because <laughs> I love it. I'm so sorry. Have y'all ever watched that show? It is so good. <laughs> it's on CBS. You gotta get the app and watch the watch the past episodes. <laughs> okay, so I'm sorry. Give us just a day in the life. I mean, like on the show, mm-hmm. they have a partner and you like become really yeah. good friends with your partner and you trust that person. And okay. So mm-hmm. like what city were you in? Were you in like a rural area or are you in a Metro? Like, you know, give us just fill us Yeah. In. Yeah. Yeah. So it was in Sumter, South Carolina. It's a population of about 30 to 33,000 people <laughs> at the time. Um, yeah. Our, uh, our shift you, there's about 12 officers on a good day um, patrolling the whole city at that time. So, oh, so? yeah, Sumter wasn't, yes, <laughs> we were severely understaffed. Not me. very many. <laughs> <laughs> a madhouse most days. Wow. Gosh. <laughs> it was a madhouse. <laughs> um, yeah, but they the way they did it was they split the the city up into nine different sectors. So because there were only 12 of us on a shift, you don't have a partner. So it's just you and your sector. Um, and then they have floaters oh gosh, that kind of are your backup if you need it. You're just out there by yourself. All by yourself. <laughs> yeah. And backups at least okay. three to seven minutes away if you need it. So, so let's let's go there a minute. Were you scared? I mean, were there moments you're like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm out here. I mean, I assume you're wearing, like, a bulletproof vest. Like, you're out here, like, in the line of duty. I mean, talk to me. Like, how are you not scared? Even just the courage of, like, I mean, especially just pulling people over. You Mm -hmm. have no idea who is in that car, what is going on in their mind. Is this person stable? You're just approaching them. Mm -hmm. And they tell you in the academy that's the most dangerous part of the job because exactly like you said you oh. never know who's in the car what their intentions are what they have um and their knowledge of the area most times they know the area better than you do um so yeah that's why i mean they'll teach like at least in po- police academy you walk up and you put your hand on the vehicle as you approach so that just in case you get shot and killed they can at least dust for fingerprints and know that <laughs> it's 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 a very serious <laughs> serious oh <laughs> but yeah I mean it's it's a reality I think because hearing my mom's stories and knowing the death is very much um, a possibility on it um, in the role you especially as a believer like I just went into it knowing if I die I get to go be with Jesus and like as long as my husband and I are on the same page this is the field that I feel like the Lord has called me to these are the people um, and this is, these are the risks that we take. Um, I felt like as a believer, I was more freed up to go into different calls without the fear of what might happen to me. 
So in order for you to walk around with that kind of freedom, th mm -hmm. this has to be a passion for you because there are a lot of people who feel very passionate about their job and they're not ready to die for it. Or they feel really passionate about their faith and not necessarily think, but I would mm -hmm. die for this. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. can you like, why were you that passionate about this work? Yeah. So I would say from seeing again, both the experience of my mom, but then through going through undergrad and grad, you see that there are people in these communities that are living, especially in the way Sumter was, where you have communities where they have, I mean, drive-bys, break-ins, drug addicts. Um, these are <laughs> impoverished, like high-crime communities, but the residents don't desire for it to be that way. Like they need someone to come in that has the resources and the ability to help protect them. So in my mind, it's like I'm willing to lay down my life for my neighbor. And I want to make sure that their neighborhoods are safe, that they feel like they can let their kids go out to play without a drive-by. Um, so the, the little mm, thing that wow. I could do to help protect that neighborhood and help them to feel safe um, and to be a good neighbor, I'm willing to do that, even if it costs me my life. Because ultimately, again, like apart from the body, we're present with Christ. So I know that beyond this world, I get to be with my Savior. That's a really beautiful vision. And I feel like so much of the women we talk to on our show, it, you know, we always go back to the, the greatest commandment of love God and love others and really loving your neighbor. I love that that was really your heartbeat of just like, wow, this is a way that I can help these communities grow and flourish and be really what God intended um, for communities. So, I mean, that's, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Can I ask? Uh, well, I'm going to I'm going to reword it. I was going to ask a question, but I'm going to reword it. Okay. In the community where you served, mm -hmm. and I guess this is this may sound a little spicy, and I guess that's why it's I okay. want just to prepare you. But <laughs> you're a woman, and you're a police officer. Well, you were a police officer, and mm -hmm. I know for you, you grew up with a mom who was a police officer. Mm -hmm. So this is not like strange for you mm -hmm. to see it. Your parents were together, so you didn't have this idea of this. Uh, pressure from a man to say, why are you doing this job? But they were both doing community public service. Mm -hmm. But as you were a police officer, did you find that you were running into people who believed that you were doing work that wasn't something that a woman should be doing? Definitely. Um, within our department, within our church, um, even within our small group, there were, I remember one guy that was very vocal about the fact that he didn't think, well, first off, he didn't even think that believers should carry weapons. Um, but if someone had to, he felt that it had to be the male and not the female. But I think helping them to understand that, because really a lot of people would say like, you're not strong enough and you can't like out muscle any man on the street and you're vulnerable to every man that you like come up against. And um, helping them to understand, like, that's not my job. I'm not out here to try to, like, body every male that I have to encounter. My job is to help to protect and preserve life in these communities. And I can do that as a female. Um, and you're laughing because, <laughs> because of my background. Because I know me. things. <laughs> okay, well, fill us in. <laughs> I also just, in college, like, we had to as part of our like workout program, like we, ha we would have like max lifts. So you would have to like lift a lot. So the 
Missy. <laughs> this isn't a boast, right? But I knew, like... Go ahead, go ahead. So bench press and squat, I could do up to, like, 300 through 15. Um, so I knew that... It, she could bench press her husband. <laughs> you could bench press your husband? I'm not that person anymore. (laughs) But in college, uh, (laughs) yeah, that was something that I was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, my whole life, my mom being a police officer. One of my first memories is of her in the uh, gym. Like we, we've always just grown up Mm. weightlifting. Um, So that was just a part of, Yeah. yeah, our upbringing from. Even before middle school, I remember they would take us to the gym and like, yeah, build your body up as much as you can, not for defending yourself, but just to push yourself and understand what your limits are. Um, Crystal, did your husband have issues with you being in the li- that line of work? Like when you, cause I know you met him in grad school. So this right. was already the, the mm-hmm. trajectory you were on. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he knew that I wanted to do this. Um, I think he, so I'll say this, he was comfortable with it and he was very supportive, which I was grateful for. But I do remember like a shift. Um, There was one day where I was pursuing a suspect um, in a foot pursuit and he got the best of me when I was jumping over the fence, pushed me down and it scraped like all the nails off my fingers. So I had to go to the hospital um, and I remember just calling him and like, don't panic. I'm okay. <laughs> but I'm on, the, I'm on the way to the hospital. <laughs> um, oh, and wow. I, I felt like after that day, it was, he just had an understanding that I worked a job where I could have to go to receive medical care. And it was just dangerous. And I think after that, it was like, do you really want to do this the rest of your life? Like, <laughs> Is this really the way that you think you can use your gifts? So um, he was very supportive. But I think that just understanding that this could actually cost me my life and I could have to go to receive medical care for what I did as a job was just scary, which I mean, that's natural for anyone. So we worked through it. And also, Reese is from Philadelphia, where I'm from. And so when what you view the way police officers or the work that police officers have to do is different. My grandfather, my brother, like I come from police officers, my sister-in-law. But um, when you to watch that work, it just, you know, you have a different vision of it for what it may be in Sumter versus Mm -hmm. a New York City or Philadelphia or something like that. Mm hmm. That's true. And he could tell I was passionate okay. about it. And I'm not just out here trying to like stop anyone that's black with a white t-shirt and jeans on. <laughs> I'm trying to help our community through this. So. Yeah. 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 That's a great vision. So you love um, seeing women really utilize their gifts through their work. You talked about the police force being a mission field. How mm-hmm. do you, when you were out there on the beat, how did you see that your gifts, how, how did you use your own gifts in this line of work? Yeah. So I think it's really just allowing other people to see into um, my life, like seeing that the way that I approach our job um, is with that freeing aspect. Like I said, that the Lord ultimately is in control of all things. Um, so I don't have to fear or be overcome with fear. Um, of what was going to happen to me. 
Um, so being able to just be bold and sharing my faith with both the people that I worked with and the people on the streets. Um, and then being very, I guess, when you vocationally from that aspect, um, a skill that the Lord helped me develop was just being detail oriented. So I remember just being able to serve some of the other officers and helping them to like even figure out how to write reports well and um, helping with um, communication. Really, it was just most of policing is communication. Um, So helping them to understand, like, how do we still maintain respect um, and our um, composure, composure, even in difficult, like high risk, high stakes situations. Do you feel like, okay, so the few times, I say few, very minimal times I've been pulled over (laughs) for speeding, you know? Uh So my context, I grew up where it was, you know, the police officers are your friends. If you ever need help, Mm -hmm. you go find a police officer. They're going to, they're your helpers. They're here to help you. And so even now, you know, when I get pulled over, it's like not officer comes to my car. I am all attention. I am ready to show respect because I'm Mm -hmm. like, first of all, I have mad respect that you're out here putting your life on the line. Um, But so, but sometimes though, I've had police officers, well, they'll, they'll, they're, it's like some are like really nice and gentle almost. And then others like, you know, it's just, it's like, you can tell like they're coming off of something hard. It's like, oh my gosh, yes. like their whole demeanor yeah. is like really, really serious. So yeah. how did you navigate even just as a woman, particularly demanding respect because the office itself requires it. Um, yeah. And you yourself, your own personality, you don't come off. I mean, the little I've been around you, it's like, <laughs> you know, you're super chill and easy to be around. So I don't know. How'd you navigate that? Yeah. Um, so navigating, I guess, just the the different perceptions that people have of police officers. Yeah. And just knowing when to be oh, tough, okay. I guess. Yeah. Turn it on. Like, talk about that. A minute. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and Missy smiles because she's always like, Crystal has a side. <laughs> um i think so as much as i believe everybody has a side (laughs) (laughs) um the thing that i learned it's i mean it goes back even to scriptures of like having that self-control so even if i'm frustrated and like i remember there was a guy we got into a chase with him he had drugs in his car but we got him, so we were in a high speed chase, and then he jumped out of his car and ran. <laughs> so I had to chase him down, which is, as a police officer, it's frustrating. It's like, why don't you just pull over? Like, make it easy. <laughs> um, so your your emotions yeah. are higher, and you're frustrated by the time you interact with the person. But I think it's just having that self control to understand, like, this person doesn't know Christ. Um, in his mind, is just freedom. Like, he just doesn't want to go to jail. Um, so it isn't personal. So how can I continue to treat him as a man worthy of respect and dignity, even though he just put me through all of this? <laughs> um, so I think it's just like taking the moment to like remember like wow. what your role is and who you're dealing with. And that regardless of what they've done, they're still worthy of that value and dignity. So I think that just helped me to, regardless of how the person interacts with me, take a moment and make sure that I'm still consistent in how I interact with them. That, um, 
everything you just said just made me think of motherhood. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> like, why do you put me through all of this and I need to calm down and still treat you? Right. <laughs> Really, anyone yeah. where you're dealing with people, right. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, yeah. you might not be chasing them, but mm-hmm. and I think too, I agree with Courtney that police officers deserve respect. I do agree with that, full stop. But I think every position deserves it, and we sometimes can be so overly overly deferential to police officers mm-hmm. as if the lady in the supermarket who's bagging your bags doesn't reserve, deserve the same respect. Mm-hmm. And like we're all a part of a community, and they're not more important in the com- in the community than the community. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but yet, yes, we do. Um, like we do, people who serve in the military, we do have a special level of man, thank you for your service, you know, to police officers and to the people in the military and to, you know, because we understand, like you said, Crystal, you are putting yourself in harm's way to protect us. Let me ask you this. This is another mm-hmm. one that is not meant to be spicy, but, okay. you know, there's the the women, there's the issue of being a woman in this type of line, in this mm-hmm. line of work. But then there's also the uh comfort or lack of comfort as with being an African-American in this line of work. And I'm black. I have family members who are cops. So the the perception that all black people think all cops are terrible is not true. Yeah. And the idea that all cops are terrible, just point blank is not true. Right. But Mm -hmm. how did you interact with, with racial injustice or racial disparity or, or any of those things? Did, did you interact with that at all? Yes. Um, And thankfully, so on our shift, there were probably four other African-Americans. Um, and again, like we were often put in the uh, poor, like high crime, low resource um, areas of Sumter. And it's us just deciding, like we're going to help our people. We're going to help to improve this community. We're going to be the people that extends the olive branch. We're not going to reinforce this stereotype that police officers only come in here to bust down your door and take a family member away. Um, So I think it was us just being kind of on the same page. But then also, I think because we um, got along so well together and really understood that our community needs us, being able to challenge our um, non-minority officers when they are like, so why did you decide to pull that car over? Why are we only checking for driver's licenses in the hood? <laughs> like, And just asking those questions and feeling the freedom to push back a little. It wasn't always like um, a decision was made that would, that was like, we weren't always well received where they decided to change the behavior, but it's at least like making it aware that we know that the way you interacted with that person when you pulled him over in the hood is not the same way you interacted when you pulled the doctor over in the nicer part of of town. So I think it's just making those things aware that like we're seeing these things and trying to call people to treat all people with dignity and respect and honor. So for people who like me, where their only interaction with the police force is either, you know, speeding tickets or blue bloods, the show, what do you think just the average citizen <laughs> out there on that beat, girl? 
All right. What should the average citizen just know about this work that we might not know? Like, what would you want people to know? Yeah, I the biggest thing, sorry, that I would try to communicate to people is the officer you're encountering because so your average shift is 12 hours within that 12 hours you've likely had cars that you've pulled over you've helped the old lady to get her keys that were locked in her car out of her car you've helped the runaway to um you've helped his parents to find the runaway you've helped um the person whose home was broken into like to process that break in um but then you've also worked the scene where someone was run over by a car and like You've, you've just been on this mm. emotional roller coaster all day. Mm. Um, so just helping people to understand this officer that you're encountering has a very emotionally demanding job and they're trying their best. Mm. <laughs> um, you're not a police officer currently. Yes. You left that. What made you decide to, okay, I need to put this, this down. Uh, honestly, it was the Lord. So I, like I said, I would have been content being a police officer until he called me home. <laughs> um, but it was when, so I was a police officer in South Carolina, deciding to make the transition up to North Carolina so my husband could pursue um, his graduate degree from Southeastern Seminary. Um, I applied for everything for, uh, from working with the state to working locally um, within the law enforcement field. And it was just very clear that that was a door that the Lord was shutting for a moment, at least. I don't, I'm still like, I just, the thing I tell people is I am clay in the potter's hands. So <laughs> the Lord knows that this is what he's given me a passion for, um, that this is what I have a desire to do. But until he opens that door, it's just being obedient to walk through the doors that he has opened. So it wasn't necessarily a willingness to want to step away. I, again, wanted to do that until I die. Um, but it was a Lord making it clear that at least for a season, there's other things that he has for me. Well, you've worked in several fields. When I first met you, I mean, not when I first met you, um, one of your first jobs was in financial aid. And I remember yeah. you were like, do you want a job in my my <laughs> department? Um, no. Right. Uh, the people were spectacular. Those mm-hmm. are my friends, but financial Quality. aid is just not where I was. Yeah, it's not my jam. Okay. But you know, we need financial aid. So there's no right. generation. Yeah. You've been an event planner and you're currently a project manager. Mm-hmm. What have you learned about yourself in all of these different roles? And what have you learned about the Lord and maybe even just the way he wired you mm-hmm. based on that? Um, I was telling what I learned about the Lord because I feel like that was because initially when I did realize the Lord was closing the door on law enforcement for however long, it was Lord, why? Like I literally changed mm-hmm. my whole entire life for this. Um, and you allow me to experience it for a few years, but you know that this is what I would willingly do for the rest of my life. Why? Um, so I think it's just understanding again, that the Lord's ways are higher than our own, um, that the Lord is sovereign over all things. And I've seen the way that he's used. So I love people. I love details. (laughs) Um, and I love just looking for those that are often overlooked, um, and voiceless. And I feel like the Lord has given me in the various roles that he's had me in ways to see if people that are vulnerable, that are often overlooked, and how to serve them. 
Um, so he's he's given me more ways to, I think, express the passions and desires that he's given me um, than just in the one way that I thought I could through law enforcement. So just seeing his kindness and how, again, he's just sovereign over all things and he uses everything. Nothing that I've experienced over the last few years, though it's not at all where I thought I would be, but nothing has been wasted. He's used it all. Hey, and what have you learned about yourself? Uh, that I'm more adaptable than I thought. I've, I've always known that like I like things a certain way <laughs> and that I'm very rigid, <laughs> but I've learned that uh, I can adjust to different things in different circumstances and different people um, more than I thought I could. <laughs> um, and again, I think I've learned um, that the Lord gives me a, he's given me a, a way to see again, the way that I can serve him and serve others in different roles. That is such an encouraging word to women who may not be doing the thing that they would love to do or they dream to do or they feel cut out to do. That that doesn't per, that doesn't remove the ministry aspect of what they're doing, the value of what they're doing, and the Lord's hand being in what they're doing. And what I also think about you being so rigid is I remember you being rigid before you had kids. <laughs> and then, Yes. And how so much of that has changed now that we're expecting number three, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Courtney, when I first met Missy, I was like, Ugh, I can't understand when moms let their kids just get all dirty and nasty when they're eating and it's just a big old mess. Like, why can't we be more neat and orderly? And Missy was like, talk to me after your first. Just wait, baby. Yes. Then she looked at me and said, uh-huh. I could have eight kids by now. Yeah. This is when she that. had not had zero. She had yep. zero. And I said, oh, you're so sweet. You are so cute. You just have one or two. She have one you, or two. Needed, yeah. you needed more? No, she just was saying, it just seems like, what? This it's is not easy like, to say that when you don't have kids. <laughs> right. Yeah. So she was talking to somebody with four, telling me how. She's like, yeah, I could, I could have eight kids by now. And I was like, okay, after two, right. I'm going to circle back. <laughs> and then we're going to have this. <laughs> right and I remember after the first one I was like Missy everyone has lied to me my entire life (laughs) you're the only person that has ever told me (laughs) I I was like this mess is hard go ahead girl go ahead I mean and listen I'm about having eight kids like I have four I I think children are a blessing but go into that thing with your eyes open girl yes Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh right. my goodness. So we have got to be wrapping up, unfortunately. So as we close, um, Crystal, is there one thing that you, one piece of advice uh, for women who want to honor God through the work he's called them to do, what would you share with them just based off, you know, your own experience and how mm-hmm. you've walked with the Lord? Yeah, I'd say two things. Um, one is more of just like general advice. And the other, I think is more biblically, I think, Um, understanding that all the work that we do is for the Lord and for his kingdom. So regardless of Mm -hmm. what it is that he calls you to do, uh, whether, again, like we've said, it's something that you felt like you're supposed to do your whole life or something that the Lord just dropped in your lap that is totally not what you expected you'd be doing, um, understanding that it's all working towards building his kingdom and bringing him glory. Um, So therefore, everything we do, we do it matters to do it to the best of your ability do it to bring the lord glory 
Um, and then, so the secular advice, I guess, that kind of ties to that is some, we grew up listening to like Martin Luther King um, speeches. And so one of them we call like the street sweeper speech. And it's sort of the same thing if he says like, if it befalls your luck to be a street sweeper, sweep streets well so that the heaven the heavens would look on you and say, here lies the great street sweeper who swept his job well. So like everything that you're, that the Lord calls you to do, know that you do that to the highest of your ability. And it matters. It matters to him. That's excellent. That's really the heartbeat of women in work. You just, you just nailed Mm -hmm. it. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, Missy, anything else you want to say before we log off? No, I think one of the things that is beautiful about just this podcast and people like you, Crystal, is that we really do see how the Lord values all of our work, mm-hmm. whether the work is controversial, mundane, exciting, the Lord honors it. And so this is just yet another woman to share with the world that the Lord honors our work, run hard after it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much. This has been fun. Crystal, we love you. Thank you. Love y'all. Well, thank you again, listeners, for joining us today on the show. We hope that you've been encouraged by our conversation with Crystal and hope you had some laughs with us along the way as well. And mainly we hope that you've been encouraged and inspired to confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. Whatever work God has called you to do, we hope that he is giving you perspective and vision to see how it is making a difference in the kingdom of God, because it really can. So if our if this show means something to you, we would love for you to partner with us through a one-time gift or become a monthly partner with Women in Work at womenwork.net slash give. And we'd also love to serve you with our book. It's called Women and Work, Bearing God's Image and Joining in His Mission Through Our Work. You can purchase your copy today at the link in the show notes. Thank you for joining us.